Tonight, we are talking about the Texas coast for the Cowboys and specifically three things that we already like about it. And yes, some early thoughts about the 49ers showdown coming to us in week five. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me because every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. What's up, everyone? Tuesday night, and we are about to talk some more Cowboys offense. It is a big-time week as the Cowboys are going to head to San Francisco to play the 49ers in a game in which they are underdogs, and let's say it right now. They should be underdogs. Now, this is not me saying that the Cowboys cannot beat the 49ers because I do believe that at their best, the Cowboys absolutely can beat the Niners. I think this game, however, is more about the fact that the 49ers have done a little bit more than Dallas in the last few years. They have been a little bit more consistent. Of course, they've beaten the Cowboys twice in the playoffs in back-to-back -back years. So now I think it's a perfect opportunity for Dallas to kind of kill the notion that they're not going to be ready. Because it did feel like that in both playoff losses that we've seen versus the Niners as of late. It felt like, yeah, the Cowboys at their best could have taken them, yet that version of themselves didn't really show up any of those two years. So it's about that, in my opinion. You know that the Niners are going to be ready. The question is, are the Cowboys going to be ready? It's Kyle Shanahan on one side who has established himself as really one of the best coaches in the NFL as of today, whereas you've got Mike McCarthy still fighting for people to accept that, hey, he's the guy, right? Won 12 wins, uh, has won 12 games, excuse me, in back-to-back -back years for the Cowboys, but we all know it's about that next step. And you got to admit that this is a game where the Cowboys have a lot to prove in, and we have already seen that slow game from them in week three. We have not quite seen that from the Niners. They struggled a little bit against the Cardinals at first. Gave up a couple of big-time drives against them. One for 87 yards, one for 99 yards. And now you're wondering, well, are they weak versus the run? But the 49ers come back strong, win that game. And it's a little bit about the Niners and it hurts to say it, maybe, but doing it a little bit better. We, we got to give them respect where respect is due. But we'll talk a little bit about some areas where they can attack them later in the show. Not in detail. We're going to save that for tomorrow and Thursday night as well. We might even have a guest coming on the show to really break it down a little bit better. But yeah, just wanted to start by saying that is the story of this week. And that is the story of this game. Now I'm going to say hi to you guys in the chat and then we're going to dive into three things that we already love about the Texas coast. And let me say hi right away. We've got Gregory, Toxic Tom, 
Mrs. Toxic Tom showing up for the big week. We've got John Jones, who, by the way, is celebrating 10 months as a YouTube member. I love it because for some reason, my settings are showing that in, uh, in Spanish. So there you go. Miembro por 10 meses. Congratulations. Felicidades to John Jones. We've got uh, Gregory. What's up? Russell saying, hey, Mo, what's up? Katharina as well, joining us through Facebook. We've got Quiddy19 joining us at YouTube. Scott Cole watching from Iowa. This is very random, Scott. But just, you know, playoff baseball, Iowa. We didn't get the Field of Games game this year, right? Was it? It was canceled, wasn't it? That sucks. That's just a random thought that popped into my head. Uh, I've been very out of tune from baseball this year for several reasons. You, you know, mainly my Yankees suck, but or at least they sucked in 2023. And then a whole lot of personal stuff went on this year. For some reason, I just never really tuned into baseball this year. I'm just barely getting back to it now that the playoffs are on. But that's just a random thought that popped into my head. They, they took away from us the, the field of game, the field of dreams game, excuse me. That's no good. That's no good for me. Anyways, uh, Russell saying, my question is, with Rico gone, who are they turning to back up? Is it going to be Malik Davis, says Russell. I, I doubt that the Cowboys are going to turn to Davis, but it's a good question. He, he might be called up at the end of the day uh, from the practice squad. It could happen. But Rico injured with a hip injury. Uh, he does have a chance to play, according to Mike McCarthy. I guess that we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he's not expected to practice, though, on Wednesday. So we're going to have to be patient with that one. I don't know, Russell. That's a good question. Maybe one that we can really dive into later in the week. How says, Mo, I appreciate being able to pick up my phone and be able to talk Cowboys with you. House, thanks so much, man. That means a whole lot to me. Who else do we have here in the chat? Toxic, of course, bragging about the Orioles who are resting in the wildcard round. Katharina says, we might be underdogs, but I have a great feeling that we will be overdogs when it all is said and done. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's, it's really one where I don't have a pick yet. And you guys know that the way that we roll on primetime is that we are not cheerleaders for the team. So if my objective point of view at the end of the week is that the Niners are going to win the game, that's going to be the pick on Thursday night. Uh, but... It's going to be tough to come up with it. We're going to dive into it on Thursday when we have ourselves the game prediction. But for now, let's talk about the Cowboys offense a little bit here because there's three things that I want to talk about that I really like. And one of them you saw on the thumbnail, Hunter Lipkin, he's used. I'm going to save that one for later. So a little bit of a spoiler alert there. I want to start with some pass protection stuff. And I'm sorry, but the first example that I'm going to use, it's actually a sack for the Cowboys. But I still like it. I think it's it's uh, not that I like the play. I like what the Cowboys are showing us. We're going to look at two protections from the Cowboys tonight. And for the podcast audience, shout out to you. I'll try to do my best to really break it down and try to explain it as it happens. But I'm going to talk about one pass protection scheme that it didn't work, I believe, because of personnel. <clears throat> this Vaughn, unfortunately. But the Cowboys are on third and eight, and this is what I like. They're having seven men 
to protect Dak Prescott. Five offensive linemen. They get Jake Ferguson in there. They get Deuce Vaughn in there. What I like is this is third and eight. You know you might get a pressure. You know you're going to get two safeties up high, even though they kind of tried to disguise it as a one-high defense. But the Cowboys are trying to manufacture vertical plays. Now, it's ironic because I'm using a sack play as an example. But look at that. It was about to work. If you look at the screen, and I'm actually going to try to run it again so we can all see it. The Cowboys are going to get that middle of the field totally open. And I'm telling you, man, C.D. Lamb was completely open. But Dak, of course, cannot get to it because he is already being sacked and pressured at that particular moment. But I like the fact that the Cowboys are getting answers and easy buttons to say what one way when they are in must-pass situations and they know they need the vertical play. Look, and here the defense, the defensive players already have their hands on Dak, but that's an open play. The Cowboys are basically running uh, three verticals in this situation with max protection. So the safeties that are dropping back, they have the outside routes and ZD is open over the middle of the field. Now, the problem, though, was the personnel here. And Juice Vaughn did not have fun protecting uh, the pass on this particular game. The Patriots are giving you a five-man front. So that means that up front, you're going to be man-to-man. Biotis is going to have the head-up defensive tackle. Zach Martin is going to have the three technique or a little bit of a four-eye, really. And they're going to stunt on Viadish and Zach Martin. And got to give credit to the Patriots' defense. They get the best of them. Deuce Vaughn is supposed to help out, clean up. But he is lost and he just doesn't get to his man. Really fails to, to be a, a factor in this particular play, he kind of steps outside and misses the inside pressure from Dietrich Weiss, who is a pretty good defensive lineman for the Patriots. I know it's ironic because I just saw, I just showed you a play that failed. But these and other things, and one of them we'll look at shortly, the Cowboys are showing us some change ups to the pass protection stuff. And McCarthy said in the offseason that they were going to make it a little bit more complex. And I think this is some evidence of it. It's week four. It's not perfect. And maybe the Cowboys are not going to put Deuce Vaughn in that situation again. But they're getting hands worse. The Cowboys are showing us what they want to do. And I think that having that ability to manufacture vertical plays is going to be important moving forward. Because sometimes those vertical plays, they're not giving them to you. you got to manufacture them. And in third and eight situations like the one that we just saw, you are having a specific coverage beater with a specific answer to giving Dak Prescott some time that didn't work out, but at least you know it's in there. And I would bet that in the future, that kind of stuff is going to work. Now, again, that was on third and eight. The next one is on first and 10 in the third quarter. And I love it because he's a, it is a very creative way to get into Max Protect and their Cowboys are going to actually do it out of empty. Empty backfield means no running back. So mostly your pass protection, most of the time that you're in empty, is going to be just five men. It's going to be the offensive lineman up front. But in this situation, Dak Prescott is going to target uh, Brandon Cooks up, to, up top. And he has Tony Pollard by his side, motions him to the, defense, to the offensive line. And then Pollard and Ferguson 
who are flexed out just a little bit away from the offensive line, they're all going to be part of the protection. So seven men are staying in, and Dak Prescott is going to roll out to his left to buy some more time. That's changing his launch point. And the whole offensive line, Pollard and Ferguson, are going to move with them. That's something that I love to see. Pass protection is not only about sliding to one side or getting the running back to block out of the backfield. It's also about the launch point. Where is a quarterback throwing the football? Now, you might be thinking, man, this is not a vertical play. What are you talking about? But Cooks is getting off coverage. I think this is one of those answers that sometime, at some point, excuse me, during the season, we're going to see the Cowboys use this sort of protection for that deep play. Say that he was playing pressed coverage. Maybe Brandon Cooks goes on a go route and he ends up getting the big play. I bet that he has that kind of an option on the play. But he gets off coverage in this scenario. And the Cowboys are giving Dak Prescott some time for the play to develop. Off coverage. Cooks knows it. Pumps the, pumps the brakes and comes back to the football. That's what you love to see. But this, and it's not Ferguson, excuse me. It's Koonmaker, actually. But this whole changing the launch point, getting into MT, again, it's different answers to pressures. And Dak Prescott is already a very good quarterback against the Blitz. But it just feels to me, four weeks into the season, that the Cowboys have so many more answers to that sort of stuff, to those sort of pressures. And it kind of matters very importantly because I think you're going to get some teams that are still going to blitz Dak Prescott very heavily, even though he usually does a very good job against that. He's not at a point where teams are not blitzing him at all. He's, He's always been a QE that's maybe blitzed a little bit below average, but still blitzed. He doesn't get the respect that maybe a Joe Burrow gets where when he's healthy, he's not going to be blitzed ever pretty much. Uh, Toxic Tom says adapt or die. And I love that because, man, it feels like the Cowboys have so many answers right now under toolbox. And it's something that I've liked about Mike McCarthy. And we complained specifically with Kellen Moore. And you guys know that I have mixed feelings about the Kellen Moore thing. I still do. Honestly, I still do. Because he did a lot of things very very good. He, he did a lot of things very well. However, it felt like it felt like sometimes he lacked answers. When the Cowboys were getting punched in the mouth or some things were not going their way, it seemed like the Cowboys lacked some answers. But during these four weeks, and yes, the Cardinals game is the exception, and McCarthy has admitted why it was the exception and has taking the blame that he exaggerated by taking the verticality out of the offense. But the Cowboys, to me, have felt like they have come up with answers. Even in the Cardinals game, there was a point where they were going to... It seemed like, okay, this is the point where the Cowboys take over, and I'm talking about that 13-play drive where the Cowboys drove with the football like for 75 yards and the touchdown... That moment of the game, that drive felt like easy button after easy button after easy button. And it was long. It wasn't easy to come up with it. But it during the drive, it was, okay, easy play, easy game, easy game here. And we saw that launch point thing too on that play. And again, it just feels like they have the answers. 
Bruce says, he did some things good, but a lot of things bad, to be honest. And yeah, that's fair. One of the bad things, one of the bad things, which is the point that I was trying to make, is Cowboys didn't really have something to fall back on when things were going south. This is what I wanted to see out of McCarthy. These kind of little answers, just easy buttons for Dak Prescott to hit. Michael H. says situational football wasn't Kellen Moore's calling. Other than that, he was okay. Yeah, great play designer, but I agree with the, some of that situational football stuff, uh, some tendencies like the hitches and stuff. Gregory says, Mo, I want to see more of Dak on their center with two running backs behind him. Play action fake to one or the other, running back or fake both and pass the ball, but the point is to keep the linebackers guessing. Gregory, 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 I love you, man. Hunter Lipke, one of the things that I love about Cowboys, Texas Coast, so far, because we're seeing a whole lot more of 21 personnel, which I think is what Gregory is talking about here. Because Hunter might be a fullback. I mean, but that's a running back still. And we're seeing him do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, he's running routes, obviously, but he's also blocking outside. He's blocking inside. Here you see him maybe not make the most perfect block, but for the situation, you know, they needed to gain one yard. Just that little bit of a second for Rico Dowdle to get through him. Then you see him running a flat route here in what the Cowboys are running, some sort of spacing concept here. The football does not go to him, but the Cowboys are getting him on the field a little bit more often than not. That's a good block right here through the middle of the field from Hunter Lipke. But yeah, I do think that the Cowboys are getting him involved and having him do a lot of different stuff. That's a very good block, the one that we just saw over the middle. I think this play gets breaking down because of Terrence Steele here. But again, Hunter Lipke getting dirty, blocking. We've seen him involved as a lead blocker in certain screen passes. Of course, we saw him score the touchdown and was what was honestly a pretty nice read from him. So I agree with Gregory. That was going to be one of my points. I like that the Cowboys are getting more of a of those 21 looks, and then they're getting into this 13 personnel groups as well and doing some cool stuff with that. More on that later. But I came away from this old 22 tape for the offense just thinking, give me more Hunter Lipke. And yesterday I talked about Deuce Vaughn and maybe why he could be a little bit limited in snaps going forward. But with Lipke, I would like to see a little bit more from him. He seems like the guy that could step up as a short yardage back. And that is not me saying that Pollard cannot do it. Because I feel like sometimes people pretend that he cannot do it. And I don't get it. I know he's explosive. I know he's not as big as maybe sick when he was here. But I, I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Hunter Lipke so far. I think that the next step is going to be start targeting him a little bit more in the passing game. And if he proves he can be a matchup problem, then holy smokes, you can have a very productive 21 personnel group or maybe even a 22 personnel group, which we've also seen at least a few times here. I don't remember if one of those plays that we just saw, I'm trying to find my doodles here. Uh, I don't remember if one of those happened from 22 personnel. I'm not entirely sure. I, I saw a lot of 21, though. 21, 21, 21, yeah. 
most of my doodles here are 21 personnel, but I, I can guarantee you at some point we're going to see even more exotic stuff. The moment that they start giving him the football a little bit more, it is when it's going to get more fun. Because right now we're seeing him blocking a whole lot. And he got like 14 snaps in this game. And then earlier in the season, he had gotten like 18 in one play. I feel like the Cowboys are just gauging their running back room. And then they're going to make some decisions out of it. But I'm telling you right now, going back to the protection stuff, you give me this look on third and eight. Max protect the perfect concept versus the coverage because I think this was a perfect co uh, coverage and we already looked at this play, but I'm just going back to it. CD Lamb gets open over the middle of the field. You swap out Deuce Vaughn for Hunter Lipke on this play. You're probably talking about a 60-yard touchdown, in my opinion. Because I do think that Lipke is blocking better so far. So I'm just saying, I'm ready for the max protect where Lipke is in there. And if it's third and eight and you're not hiding it, because the Cowboys are not hiding it in, in this particular case, that's a touchdown. That is absolutely a touchdown. Again, CD is open. Vaughn just absolutely misses on his guy. And I don't want to seem like I'm piling on Deuce because I don't, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on Deuce at all. But for this kind of stuff, give me Hunter all day. And then he he gets those touches, and hopefully he does. He can be a big part of this offense, man, moving forward. We know that McCarthy likes fullback, so it's not like he needs to do something very different. He just needs to do what he's already been doing. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Hunter Lipke, I don't know if I'm betting on his snaps to go up a whole lot because, again, he had like 14 snaps and 18 snaps before in the season. But it's going to be a little bit more steady. Yeah, I think so. I hope so, even. Let's see some of your comments. You seem to agree with me. Let me know in the chat if you agree or disagree with more Hunter Lipke. <laughs> Toxic Tom said. <laughs> Man. Mo, would you say, says Toxic Tom in the chat, that this one is on a short leash? <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, he's a stout guy, says Julio. Michael H., his guy was open, little time to shock it, pass protection. Uh, three guys wide open. Hunter looks like a journeyman, says Cowboy Chris. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Michael says Hunter has come a long way from stumbling and bumbling running in the preseason. That was so weird. It just felt like his balance was off in August, and then hopefully it's gotten fixed. Because, yeah, he, he did stumble a whole lot. He was he was literally tripping. <laughs> Hunter's going to be a good fullback. His Michael, uh, says Michael, excuse me. Cowboy Chris says Hunter should definitely get more touches. Lance says, yes, more Hunter for me. Katharina agrees. More 40 says, what the? So a lot of people, a lot of people are on board with the plan for more Hunter Lipke. One more thing that I'm liking about the Texas Coast offense, and this is not really about scheme. This is just about play calling, really. But let's go back. Let's go back to the 20-yard pass to C.D. Lamb, the one that went for a touchdown. Do you know what I like the most about it? Let's just point out first 
that the Cowboys were on 13 personnel. Look at that. You had Schoonmaker in there. You had Ferguson in there. And then you had Sean McKeon in there. So 13 personnel, and you're running four birds. Let me just point that out right away, which is something that I like. The team that has Brandon Cooks, the team that has Michael Gallup, and this talented wide receiver core led by C.D. Lamb, the Cowboys are getting into 13 personnel and are going deep. They don't care. You know why it works, though? Because this is second and five. And we've talked about this before on the show. The fact that, hey, second and five, be a little bit more aggressive. This is the Cowboys doing that. It's second and five outside of the red zone, technically. We just learned that. We just learned that the 20-yard line is not the red zone. Uh, we talked about this last night, if you guys were not here. But, of course, see these one-on-one. Because if he's not one-on-one, then you're likely running the football to either way that, that, that you have the numbers advantage. I, I like this play, man. I really do. And I like the decision to go deep with CeeDee Lamb right away because he's one-on-one. So I like that. And then same thing goes for the Deuce Vaughn. The, the, not Deuce Vaughn, excuse me. See, we've talked too much about Deuce already. Jake Ferguson on second and nine. Again, this is second and nine. He's not really a verticals. I mean, from the inside, you're getting two verticals. And then from the outside, you're getting stop routes like 10 yards deep or seven yards deep, something like that. But again, this is second and nine, and you have Jake Ferguson in there, a running back. What are the Patriots are showing you? They're showing you a single high safety, which really lays the boom on Ferguson, by the way. But I just felt like, and, and I'm just coming up with some examples, but I just felt like the Cowboys were a little bit more aggressive on second down and first down throughout this game. We talked about the intermediate game yesterday. The Cowboys were pushing the ball down the field a little bit more on early downs than they did versus the Cardinals. And that's something that I want to continue to see. Now, the stats are weird. The numbers are weird. Because the Cowboys have won games that have been extremely specific. They've been blowouts, to put it more specifically. But... What happens when you get to a close regular game? I hope it's the same of this. I hope it's more of this. Second and five, and this happened when the game was close. Shot to see the lamb. Shot to do his Vaughn over the middle of the field. Max protection stuff if it's a must-pass situations. All that, all that. It just feels like if I would, if I could have a prediction, and I don't know if I'm talking about the Niners game here, so I got to give it to them. It's a pretty good defense, the one that they have. So if they have a below average game versus the 49ers, that's probably what you can walk away from saying, well, yeah, they're the Niners, right? And this is not me being the fittest or anything like that. Again, this is not even a prediction of the game. But I just, what I'm trying to say is, I just feel like when we see the Cowboys offense in a more real game script, or a closer game script, I should say, we're going to like what we'll see. That's my feeling right now after watching the tape versus the Patriots. Because, yeah, they are banked up at a cornerback. The Patriots are. But they're still a pretty well-coached unit. And some of the guys that were playing 
are still pretty decent cornerbacks and stuff. Again, it's not their guys. It's not their starters. But I'm not going to say that, hey, this defense sucks. And the guy that coaches them sucks too. No, I'm not saying any of that. So I'm going to give them some credit for that. Heck, they are still the 12th best defense in the NFL in EPA per play, the Patriots. So I, I like what we saw from the Cowboys in that sense. Yes, red zone issues, all that. It's, it's an issue. But it's one of those that are likely to be fixed, in my opinion. Because, again, we did look at those, and it was a lot of execution details. It was on Pollard, by the way. The collision was definitely on Pollard. I don't think there was any doubt of that after watching the old 22. Everyone is blocking to the left side. Feels like a counterplay, honestly. The gap is completely open, but, you know, they just collide. That kind of sucks, but, again, Pollard has done pretty cool stuff, though. Michael H. says, speed doesn't help you much inside the red zone. Everybody's fast enough. And that's what some people have said. Like, the Cowboys are lacking that mismatch in the red zone. That big-bodied player. And I kind of agree with that. But I also feel like CD can win contested catches. I also feel like Michael Gallup can win contested catches. I know that Brandon Cooks is freaking fast. And it does help you in the red zone, especially horizontally speaking. You've got running backs that can catch. You've got Jake Ferguson who's stepping up right now. So hopefully they figure out that weapon in the red zone. But man, they're close. They are close. That touchdown from Pollard, that potential touchdown from Pollard was close. That Luke's Kuhnmaker throw was close. A lot of little things were like, hey man, the Cowboys are one step away from getting the touchdown instead of the field goal. I'm not panicking about the red zone at all. I'm really not. I was a little bit versus the versus the Cardinals. I was. But this Patriots game, man, it made it feel like, oh, they were so close. Multiple times. And sometimes even in the same drive, they were. And I'm counting the CeeDee Lamb touchdown. I see red zone touchdown. I don't care what the rules are, what the technicalities are. I don't care that you got to be inside the 20. If you are the 20, chalk it up as a red zone touchdown for me, honestly. And, you know, coach is actually divided into like high red zone, low red zone. And for some, the red zone starts at the 30-yard line. For some, at the 25-yard line. So it's all a blurry conversation, but still. Some of your comments right now, though, in the chat, I love this comparison from Toxic Tom. And I don't know what the numbers are, by the way. Like, I don't know if this analytically could be backed up. But anecdotally, I, I love it and I agree with it. Toxic says, red zone issues are like runners in scoring position in baseball, getting to second base, getting to third base. At least you are getting on base. You just need to finish, but it could be worse. I agree with this from Toxic. Again, I'm not panicking about the whole red zone offense thing. Cowboy Chris says, I'm more worried about the O-line. That's a fair concern. I'll tell you, that is a pretty fair concern because it seems like these guys are dealing with stuff that is not going away, right? Uh, so you kind of you kind of worry about it a little bit. Hopefully the Cowboys play with their full offensive line versus the 49ers for the first time. And the, the bad news about it is like, 
we'll get the Wednesday injury report and we'll talk about it. And then we'll get to Thursday and we'll talk about the injury report for Thursday. And then it's going to be Friday and we're going to talk about the final injury report that is not really the final injury report. And then until Saturday, when the Cowboys elevate their practice squad guys and when the Cowboys, you know, reports start coming out, that's when we'll finally know if Dallas is playing their guys versus the Niners. So it's going to be a long week of trying to answer this question that Mr. Terminator 73 throws in the chat, which is, do we know if Tyron is playing? We really do not. And it feels like we won't know until Saturday. And that's a little bit stressful, but we're going to have to deal with it. Good news, it's already Tuesday. And after prime time, we're going to watch Ahsoka on... Disney Plus and uh, Disney Plus and we're going to have fun. <laughs> I'm talking maybe I'm talking a little bit too personally now, but if you're into Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about. And then Rika Dowdle. No no word on Rika other than it's a hip injury and he's expected to miss practice on Wednesday, but according to McCarthy, according to Stephen Jones, they've got a chance of playing. That's what we know of all of these guys. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for us to know. It's going to take pretty much the full week for us to understand what the whole thing is about. Now, before I leave you guys tonight, we're going to dive deeper into this whole thing on Wednesday and Thursday night. But some people might be wondering, can the 49ers be bitten? Because, man, they look like a pretty complete team. Let's Let's give it to them. They're running the football. They're... Throwing the football, I will not accept Brock Purdy slander, honestly, because the guy deserves some credit. He's doing a pretty good job running the Cal Shanahan offense. Is it because of the talent around him? Is it because of the coach? Maybe in part, but he's consistent. You got to give it to him. We have not seen like a really ugly Brock Purdy game. Maybe the closest that we've gotten to that is last year's playoffs. And even the Cowboys game, the Cowboys felt like they kind of rattled Brock Purdy a little bit in that game. But even then, it wasn't like an ugly, ugly game. Uh, So I'm going to give him some respect there. He is very consistent. I'm not going to say he's special or anything like that. But I'm saying Purdy and the Niners are, are, are pretty good. And we all know that. That being said... They have struggled stopping the football, stopping the run, excuse me. They're 28th in rush EPA per play and 29th in success rate. So this Niners team is not really stopping the run. Now, it might be a little bit of a small sample size thing with the way that they've led pretty much all of their games, right? At some point, they're leading by multiple possessions. So the opponent is throwing the football. Well, they can be running, apparently. So I wonder if this is going to be a game where, hey, the Cowboys might try to be physical and run the football on them, which is also kind of complicated to decipher because I would also argue that cornerback is one of their weaknesses. And last year, CeeDee Lamb, huge first half. Second half, he was taken away. But that's when we're... Start talk. Well, that's when we're going to start talking about, well, that's why the Cowboys brought in Brandon Cooks, 
who is not lighting up the stat sheet at all this year. But watch the tape. And hey, Brandon Cooks is opening up stuff and he's been so close multiple times. Like Brandon Cooks is getting open. He's earning his shots and they're going to come, I believe. They really are. Uh, it might be the game where Brandon Cooks explodes versus the 49ers. If they start racketing CD Lamp again, it might be the game for Brandon. I'm not, you know, sure because it's, it hasn't gone his way in that sense, but he's making an impact on the field. If you watch this old 22, you're going to see it. it. It's pretty cool. So on, on, one sa- on one hand, excuse me, the numbers say to us, you can run on the Niners. On the other hand, I feel like this is going to be a game where you're going to want to be aggressive right out the gate, where if you win the coin toss, you might elect to receive because you might want to get Brock Purdy in some drop-back situations. And again, not hating on Brock Purdy. I won't do that at all. But your best shot at the Niners is to get them into a position where they cannot just run at you and have Christian McCaffrey go crazy and the Cowboys held McCaffrey down to 35 yards. We talked about that a little bit last night. The Niners can be beat, but they do deserve to be favorites. At least in the betting world, they are by three and a half. I believe it's still at three and a half. Special teams will be important to Lance. I was saying that, hey, uh, Jake Moody has kicked the football out of bounds twice in kickoffs. I thought that was a little bit surprising. And, you know, Jake Moody has been a big player for, for the Niners. They drafted him and, and everything. I'm um, trying to get the spreads here for the NFL games. It opened at three and a half. I wonder if it's still the same. Yep, it is. I wonder what the public is betting too. That matters. I mean, that gives you an idea as to how the market is thinking, in my opinion. 70% of the bets are on the Niners for this one. 70% of the bets. Ooh-wee. It's early in the week. That might change. Some money might come in to America's team later in the week. Let's see here. We've got a super chat, by the way. We've got we've got two super chats. Two super chats to mention. Excuse me. I'm going to use my how to. How about them, There you go. Merciful says, what's up, little bro? Keep dropping knowledge. Hey, I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you. And also, shout out to Jones. Oh, I already mentioned it. But again, he's been a member of the channel for 10 months. He's been a member of the of the channel for 10 months. Hey, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say I like being the the on the other side of the public here. I like that the Cowboys are not getting all of the money in the betting world. Just saying. Saying that the most bet team in the NFL last year, last week was the Bengals versus the Titans. They got whooped. So we're gonna see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. I think it was a very fun show. And, you know, we're already getting excited. We're already getting in the mood. We're already getting in the mood for, honestly, one of the biggest games of the year. And I'm not just talking about the Cowboys. I'm talking about NFL-wise. Sunday night football, Cowboys Niners. Oh, man. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk more about the Niners in depth. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me because every like 
puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. And I'll see you el día de mañana. Muchísimas gracias. Bye bye.